Welcome to the Pomona Christian Church Podcast. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian. As we, uh, as, as I said, perspective can can make a big difference in how you see things. People will see the same event and maybe have a different angle because of their past, their background, or whatever. And there reminded me of a story I read about a pastor, a doctor, and an engineer who all got together to go play golf. And as they started to play, they moved through the course, and then they got behind this group. You know, this group of about four guys, and they had to be the worst golfers they'd ever seen. And they were taking forever. In fact, it took them one hour on one hole just to get to the next one. And they finally got a golf. They got through And then they got to the next hole. And those guys were there. And they waited and waited again. And they just became so frustrated that these four guys, they wouldn't get out of the way. They wouldn't let them play through. And, and they were taking so much time. And that, it was just terrible how bad they played golf. They were frustrated on every level. So finally, one of the guys saw one of the employees of the golf course, he came along and he said, hey, you know, what's the deal with this? Like, can you do something? Can you let us play through? These guys are so slow. I don't even know if they should be playing golf. They're terrible. And the guy said, well, these are, this is a group of firemen that lost their sight in the line of duty. And so they've kind of been given this time to play golf every week. And they felt real bad. And the pastor, you know, well, you know what? Uh, he got spiritual real quick, and he's like, you know what, I'll, I'll pray for him. And the doctor said, you know, I'll get, him, I'll get him in touch with the best ophthalmologist I know, and I'll help out in any way in case there's anything that can be done to help them. And the guy said, oh, okay, that, that's nice. And then the engineer said, well, why can't they golf at night? <laughs> you know, we could all look back on things we've said or, or the way we have viewed things and wish we had done something differently. I'm sure we all have things that said, maybe I could have said that better or not said that at all. Or we maybe we're kind of had expectations in life, you know, that now we're kind of further along and you look back and, and you think, well, I should have been here in this life, in my life by now. And you see other people that have maybe accomplished something or done something you wanted to. And you kind of maybe have regrets or, or you wonder, you know, why things didn't happen the way that you wanted them to happen. Or you have second thoughts. Or maybe you have sometimes achieved a lot of things that you wanted to. You've gotten life to where you want it. And sometimes you can get all that and you can say, is there more? And that's one thing I remember Tom Brady talking about was after winning some Super Bowls and after winning them, he says, is that it? Like like he'd won and he says, is that all there is to it after looking forward to it? And I think it's important that we understand that, that as life passes us by, we look at things, we have regrets, but the most important decision that we make in this life is whether Jesus is Lord or not. That is the fundamentally most important decision that we make. Because no matter what we do, we won't get life perfect. We won't look back and see that we've done everything right. We'll wish we had maybe done more, accomplished something that we didn't. But all that is irrelevant. And the most important decision we make is whether we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Because in the end, those things that we often look back and We wonder how they could have turned out or what we could have done really in the end don't matter. 
But that is the most important decision that we make. But when we make that decision, then we have our lives to live. And that decision is something that carries on through our life. It's not just a point in time decision that we make, and then we go on about life as normal. When we decide to follow, it's to continue to follow Jesus for life and not just make a decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and then just go on about as normal. So that's what we've been talking about, decision point. And the best decision point in anything is to decide in advance what we're going to do before we find ourselves in the situation. Rather than waiting for moments to come along and then deciding what we're going to do or what we're going to think about this, to knowing ahead who we are, who we believe, who we trust, and make our decision ahead of time for what we will do. I saw a great quote. Uh, he said, we'll either, it says, we'll either be led by God or we will be led by our circumstances. And if we don't decide in advance who we are or that we're going to put God's word above what this world says is truth, and there are all kinds of things that we could look at, we'll just fall in with the circumstances and go along with whatever happens or maybe compromise our priorities when the schedule fills up or the things that are important to us will be forgotten because something is urgent in the moment, but it may not be our priority or something that's most important to us. And so what one thing Scripture decides describes early believers as is that they were devoted in their following. And I want us to look at a text in Matthew 6, and we're going to see what it really means to be devoted and how we decide ahead of time to be devoted. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So notice what Jesus says, there's a, there's a decision that we have to make fundamentally as to what we are seeking in life. What is our first priority? And Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, which means trying to be godly, trying to live the way God would have us live. And then all these things, all the other worries in life will, will fall into place. And so when we decide to follow Jesus, really what we're saying is, I will seek first the kingdom. I will seek first God's righteousness. And we will seek the one who, want, who matters most. That We are committing our life to being devoted to Jesus. But what does that mean, to be devoted? I think there's a good passage in Acts 2. And in this, we're going to look at verse 42, but in this, in Acts chapter 2, it's the first time it's explained to the people of Jerusalem and all who are there why Jesus died, why he rose, if he was the Messiah. And then when they preach that, tons of people accept it. They make the decision, they accept Jesus, they're baptized, and there you have the first church. But notice what it says this group of believers is like in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now that word devoted, that they devoted themselves in, that, in the original language, and it's not really a sense that we have in English, it's this ongoing action. And we can kind of get that from the way it's translated, but it could also be misread as it was a one-point-in-time decision in the past that they devoted themselves to Jesus 
which that's true, but it was a, in this text, it's an ongoing thing. They were devoted to doing this. And what it says, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. The apostles' teaching, that's for us the Word of God. And to the fellowship, which is the body of other believers, that's us. To our breaking bread, that res- refers to communion and eating together, doing life together, and prayer. We're growing spiritually and seeking God's will. But notice what it says about them. That it wasn't just some occasional thing or a decision they did once. It was something they had that was ongoing. They devotedly did this faithfully. It's ongoing that we are, that we are continuing. So really what you see in these early believers is they didn't make a decision, then just go on about their normal life. They weren't casual Christians. They didn't make this decision and then everything was that, well, you know, I really want this house. I want this job. I have all these goals in life. Maybe I'll pop into church once in a while. I'm, I'm going to build my dream life. And, and at the same time, I'll have God as a, as a big part of my life or as a part of my life. And when they made the decision to be devoted, that became their one thing. They were seeking first God's kingdom, that that's what they were focused on. Now think about how much time we devote, you know, to pursuing God's will for our life, to pursuing serving His kingdom. Okay, if we look at our week, we have 168 hours per week, and it's really sad when you start whittling it down. If you get eight hours of sleep at night, they always say that. I don't know many people who get eight hours of sleep at night. I'd like to get eight hours of sleep, but if you're one of the chosen few, that is 56 hours of sleep. Then you have um, 40 hours of work, and probably more than that sometimes. So then you have 40 hours of work. And then it says the average person that uses social media, this figure is astounding because it, you know, on average, there are some that are more and there are some that are less. But of the, av- the average social media user spends 17 hours a week on social media. That's just crazy. Now I think some of those probably overlap with work. So, you know, I don't know how to parse that out, parse that out perfectly. But then you're taking, if you have kids, you're taking them to ball games, taking them, if you have multiple kids, you're taking them to multiple ball games and practices. It seems like those hours just dwindle, 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 and dwindle to where there isn't much time. And when you finally get to sit down, you're just ready for a break. And so what we often do is we intend to give God time, give time to His Word, give time to pray. We, we would like to do that, but when it comes down to it, we're just trying to find the spot that we have left over for God, and we're worn out, and we don't have it. And oftentimes, the good intentions kind of fall apart. And so, we just rely on, maybe if it's a general pattern, you know, we'll go to church, and if Sunday school, maybe two hours, just the service, one hour. And sometimes then we can wonder, why don't I feel as close to God? But God is always faithful in His role. It's the question, are we devoted in the way that the early church was? You know, if we were to go out and exercise for one to two hours a week, if you were to do that, it would be better than nothing, but you probably wouldn't expect fantastic results from that either. Or, you know, if you studied one to two hours a week, and that's all you did. You probably wouldn't expect to excel in everything 
in school. There might be one class that you do really well in. And if we are only partially devoted to seeking God's Word and will for our life, then the question is, are we really going to grow? Are we going to mature? Are we being devoted or are we seeking first what God wants? And if we just kind of fill God in the leftover spots, then it shouldn't surprise us if we feel kind of lukewarm or why so many today would drift away from Scripture and absorb the views that they see on the screen that they're seeing 17 hours a day and it would shift our views in God's Word that we might not know as well, but we can kind of shift that and maybe not believe the things that, that aren't popular in social media. And so we lose our first pursuit, which is of Jesus Christ. So we have to understand that living for Jesus, it's this ongoing pursuit of His will for our lives and service for His kingdom. Now, how do we do that? Jesus gives a good description in John 15 and verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will, be, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus shows us where it starts. It starts with him, that we are branches on the vine who is Jesus. So Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Our maturity, our growth, all stem, our life comes from Jesus. That the vine is there in the soil bringing the nutrients to the branches. And Jesus is the one who provides us life. Jesus is the one who sustains us to mature and to grow in Him. So when you are, as a branch, connect with the vine, then you will bear fruit. And that's what we can see in our lives. If we have a thriving relationship with God, if we're giving that time and we are spending time with Jesus, then we will produce fruit. Now, what are the fruit? We can look at the fruit of the Spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those things start to develop more and more in our life. Now, in this passage in John 15, there's one word that appears over 10 times, and that is the word remain. And Jesus tells the disciples in verse 4, right before that, He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There's never been a branch that I've seen in my life bear fruit or a branch of an apple tree produce an apple unless it was connected to the tree, or, or a branch, a, a cluster of grapes develop uh, on a branch that wasn't connected to the vine. It cannot happen. As the branches, we aren't capable of ourselves. But when we accept Jesus, He gives us the Holy Spirit to grow in our relationship with Him and to produce that fruit that we couldn't produce on our own. So many times people see it as just, well, I'm moral, my behavior changes. But also our attitudes, our mindset, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, those aren't behaviors. They affect behaviors. That's the transformation that makes us more like God. Now that word remain, it'll be translated different ways. Some will say abide, which means to like live or to dwell. And it's got that sense, but it's also that ongoing thing that Jesus is talking about that's in that language, that it is a continuation to keep on going. I remember this patch, you know, I didn't have patches as a kid. I don't know if my mom wouldn't sew. And this is really going to make me sound old, but it's true, I am. Um, you know, in this, when I was a kid in elementary school, some kids 
had patches. And actually, when they got holes in their jeans, sometimes they got patches. And I, I just remember this one they always had with the thumb out, and it said, keep on trucking. You know, so that was kind of the phrase, just to keep on. There was another phrase back then, keep on, keeping on. Probably the worst phrases, I'm glad they got rid of them. But it's kind of got that sense that Jesus is saying, keep on, keeping on in me. You know, keep on keeping on, continuing in our relationship with him, in that decision to follow. It's an ongoing pursuit. And that's what Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you, that he is the one who is faithful. And I can tell you the disciples, they weren't just doing one or two hours a week, but it was a daily thing. And that's what we have to have to continue on is all in devotion to God who matters most. And again, the obvious thing is we can't do it on our own. As branches, we need the vine. To do what God wants us to do in our life, we have to be plugged in and connected to Jesus. What he says happens if we don't stay connected is that we wither and die. In fact, the whole point, if you go past the Gospels, and I believe they're for this as well, but if you go to the letters from Romans all the way even through Revelation, which is the book of prophecy in the New Testament, there's one purpose to it, and that is to encourage believers to continue on, to not go back to the way they were before, to not adopt the values and views of whatever culture they live in, to continue to live faithfully for Jesus. That is the whole point. You can go through every letter and see everything that it teaches. And the fundamental point of all those books is to encourage us of what truth is, who God is, and to continue faithfully living for Him. And if we jump back to verse 1 in John 15, it says, Jesus starts out by telling them, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What are saying? If we're not connected, we get cut off, but the branch that remains bears, bears fruit, and he prunes us, that he sharpens us, that he develops us, maybe removes things, maybe puts us in situations, helps strengthen us, but he makes us even more fruitful as we remain in him. But what we have to do is decide in advance Are we going to live out that decision we made to follow Jesus? That every day we have to say, I am devoted to Jesus, that I am going to seek first his kingdom. Because again, what will happen if we don't make that decision, then when it comes down to it, we'll be busy. There's so much going on in our world today that it'll be easy to put it off till tomorrow or some other time, and we just won't mature and we'll put it off. So what's a practical way to do that? We have to decide in advance how? How are we going to know God's Word? I believe that's the first foundation of building our relationship with God. And decide in advance a time. When is it you're going to do it? Before the kids wake up and you have time or after they leave or when you're at a certain spot, but find a time that, hey, this is a time I can be uninterrupted where I can do that. Determine in advance a place where you can read, not just where you can dig in and spend time in the Word and in prayer at what time, but at what place can you be isolated? What time can you have silence? I know some have a bunch of kids and they're like, that place and time does not exist in my world. Maybe you have to shut the bathroom door and lock it, you know, turn on the shower and just act like you're taking a shower, whatever, but determine a time and a place and then determine a plan, how it's going to happen. 
how you're going to dig into the Word. Now, I know one of the things, if you're new to the Bible, a lot of things I've heard over and over people struggle with is where to begin. And I've heard a lot of people, well, I I decided I'm going to read the whole Bible in this amount of time, or I'm just going to go straight through it, and I'm going to start at Genesis. And you hear, I got through Genesis, and I got through Exodus, and then I got to Leviticus, and that's where I stopped, over and over. So I encourage you, start with getting to know Jesus in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read through those. And then pick a letter, you know, Romans through Jude, that you can pick up and can help you mature and understand more about your faith. And those things in Leviticus are important, but they're not going to be as foundational to your Christian walk as things in the New Testament to help you understand what God wants. But what that helps us do is be in alignment, and that means to be going the same direction as God. Now, I know sometimes when our tires are out of alignment, you can have new tires, and if they're not in alignment, they'll wear out on one side or the other far faster than they were supposed to, and you'll have to buy new tires because they're trying to go different directions at the same time. And that's the point of knowing God's Word is it helps us be in alignment. It helps align our hearts with what matters to God, helps it matter to us the things that God is passionate about, the things He loves, or the things that we will turn out to be passionate about, that we will love, the way we view things, our mind, the way God sees the world is the way we see the world, which will be at odds with culture, that the way God God looks at issues, hopefully it will shape the way we see things, which is through the lens of truth and not a truth that is changing every year more and more. And it will help our minds see God's purpose for our lives rather than just the purpose of our current generation, which is just you only live once, get everything you can out of it. That's all that matters. It's all about experience and capturing experience. But it begins with seeking Jesus first and that decision to make that ongoing. So we have to understand is God doesn't get what's just left over. God's first or He's not, that God isn't part of our life, that God is our life. And often you'll hear God's an important part of my life, or God's a big part of our family. God should be our life. Colossians 3 says this, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Okay, so that's just packed full of things, but it's all about alignment. Set your hearts on things above, to, to get our hearts in alignment with God. Set our minds on things above, not on earthly things, so our minds are in alignment. And notice that's what it says, when Christ, who is your life, let's say, who's an important part of your life? who should be, you know, close to the top. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear. And then there's this verse, hidden. You know, that idea of hidden isn't just that it's not seen. It's really more in the terms of people hiding, you know, putting money on deposit with a bank. You you can have money on deposit with a bank. You can't see it. But in, t- in today's world, we hope it's there sometime in the future, you know. But God's plan is a lot better than the FDIC, I can guarantee you that. That it's put away for safekeeping and it's not seen. 
And it doesn't mean that it's not life and we don't enjoy life now, but later we get it. It's just that the world may look at the life of a believer and say, well, how can you enjoy life because you're not doing this and you don't have this and, and this is what I want out of life because it's hidden. They can't understand it. You know, back in the 80s, you could have uh, seen Sam Walton and, and walked into him, the founder of Walmart, seen him drive an old pickup truck and just thought he was some poor farmer that couldn't afford a better truck, and he's a billionaire. You know, you would have had no idea that this guy had billions of dollars. His life was kind of hidden. It, it was there. He wasn't missing out on it, but it was there, and someday our real life will be revealed either when we die or Jesus returns. And what really matters is going to be seen, and we're going to have life greater than anything we could produce in this one. So, But it begins with deciding in advance to be devoted to and seek Jesus first in all decisions of our lives. You know, in ministry, I've, I've done a lot of funerals. And in doing the funerals, sometimes I'll have the funeral of somebody I didn't really know very well, but I'll hear the family share stories about them and I'll think, man, I wish I could have known them. That sounds so fun or they sound like such an outstanding person. I really missed out on not being able to know them. But one of the things that always stands out to me when I do a funeral is, you know what, this time comes for all of us. You know, the, the one time my funeral is going to be, you know, there's going to be a day where I have a funeral. And the two people that are there, you know, maybe, <laughs> I know too, we're guaranteed to show up. But, you know, or, or we'll all be there. And the one thing that's going to matter is the decision we made about Jesus and were we faithful to that decision to live for Him. That's all that matters. And it goes by quickly because I see the pictures of these people. They were young once, you know, they were at this stage of life that I am now. And the only thing that matters, all those things we can feel regret about, I didn't accomplish this, I didn't do this, they won't matter. It's where we put Jesus in our life that matters the most, and that's when our life is really revealed. But devotion to God doesn't happen by accident. We have to decide in advance who we're going to live for and how we're going to do that. So I encourage you, if you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, and to live for Him. Make that decision. We'd love to help you get to know Jesus, to make that decision, to make Him your Lord and Savior, and to take that step to be buried in baptism. Because that's one thing it says there in Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, since you've been raised with Christ, you've died. That death is repentance. It's saying, making that commitment to live fully for Jesus. But when we die, we're buried. That's why God chooses the symbol of baptism, that we're buried with Christ and we're raised. That's what He says, since you've been raised with Christ. He's talking about our spiritual resurrection, being made new, coming back from sin and living for Jesus that's represented in our baptism. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian.